Hello and welcome to the Centre Pass podcast brought to you by Netball Draft Central. My name is Jared Gardner and as always I'm joined by Taylor Malky and Sophie Taylor over a video chat. And there's been some big news in Suncup Super Netball and a big round of ANZ Premiership action. Uh, Sophie, a few rule changes in Super Netball for the 2020 season uh, with the bonus point and extra time rules uh, not taking effect for 2020 and teams being able to bring 12 players into games. Uh, a few interesting rule changes on the eve of the season. Yeah, I really like the changes, but I do question the timeliness of it. I mean, teams, I'm assuming there would have been some kind of protocol where the teams were probably told about this a fraction earlier than they were last time um, with the two-goal super shot. But it, I, I really agree with those rules because, I mean, we're looking at, I think it's six rounds worth of games in about 20 days. So it does make sense and it's all about keeping those players safe and making sure um, no injuries kind of come to light. So I think it's great. Yeah, it is a very interesting one and uh, great to see a fixture finally been announced for the 2020 season. Uh, in ANZ Premiership action, Taylor, uh, a big round, but uh, I think we say it every week, it was the Pulse really flexing their muscles and a couple of big wins to keep their undefeated run going. I think the main thing that the Pulse showed this week is the fact that they have bench players that can do just as much damage as their starting seven. And I think that's kind of the the sign that no one really wanted to know, if that makes sense, because it just proves how dominant they are. So, yeah, it was another week of just Pulse dominance, but I think the tactics have also shown that they have the skill and the firepower to take it up to the best as well. Yeah, exactly, and I think there'll be a few... Very interesting games coming up in the final couple of rounds of the 2020 season. Uh, first of all, we'll, we'll go back to those Super Net, Suncorp Super Netball rule changes for the 2020 season. And as we alluded to earlier, um, a couple of changes with the bonus point, which was introduced, and the extra time rules won't be in effect for 2020. Uh, these are basically, this is, this is, these have been brought in with player welfare in mind. And I think this is a great um, idea for. Uh, the Suncup Super Netball, because basically what we saw with the bonus point was that teams would leave their, maybe leave their star players on a bit longer into quarters, um, and, and especially with the condensed fixture that we've got, um, it's great, great to see that maybe those players will be able to get a rest and some of those development players will be able to come on. Um, it's it's going to be a great rule, and I think it, it, for me, the main thing to come out of this is seeing those uh, young developing players come on and get a bit of game time. Yeah, I definitely think I'm on the same page with you there, Jared. I think that not having the bonus point actually encourages teams to look to their bench and it encourages teams to to get those younger players on, even if it is in the first few minutes or in the dying minutes of the quarter. Each each time that they step on court, it allows them to develop more of that game awareness, that spatial awareness and, and match fitness, which you can't really replicate at a training level. So I think having no bonus point is a really good um, good way to encourage teams to, to look to the bench, like I said, and also for them to give those star players a rest because we know how in, how intense this, this coming period is going to be, midweek games, weekend games. It's not like a season we've ever seen before. Yeah, and you look at some of those young, talented players that kind of took the court and their trade last season and they really made an impact and I think that's really important to think about because what we've noticed over the last few seasons in SSN is that 
teams have been focusing so much on the import players that our own uh, young up-and-coming Aussies aren't getting the court time. So this will actually really benefit teams. Like you said, it doesn't put as much pressure on those import players and those star players from international sides, including our own, um, to be on the court the entire time. But it also means that those young players can really get some of the court time, especially with the ANL not going ahead. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, the extra thing on top of those rule changes is the fact that teams can now bring uh, 12 players to each match. They obviously have their 10 uh, full squad members and they can bring two additional players, um, which may be training partners or uh, I think I'm reading on the Suncorp Super Netball website, they can be just other players. They're subject to a few requirements, but um, we'll see how that plays out. Um, as you said, Sophie, no A&L this season. Uh, we kind of flagged the idea last week if there were going to be scratch matches of some sort during the week for those young players that might not get a bit of game time. But now with uh, these new rule changes being brought in, we might see uh, some of those really young, young up-and-coming Aussies get a bit of game time in the, in the Super Netball season. Yeah, and that could be really exciting too. I mean, you look at some of those players and a lot of them have maybe taken the court once or twice in a season. I mean, you look at the Swiss last year, blooding up a lot of training partners. The Firebirds made use of it and uh, Thunderbirds did too. So you look at those teams and they, they really made use of it. And a lot of the time they were able to step up to the plate. So hopefully this season we'll see, especially if players do get injured, obviously fingers crossed that they don't. But if they do get injured, that, that teams will t- uh, kind of look to their extended bench with those training partners and give them a shot at the at the time on court rather than go looking for outside players. And I think the most important part about these few rule changes is that they, from reading the, the article and, and all of that, it seems like they've taken on board the player thoughts and what the, the clubs are asking for. And I know that there was a lot of um, uproar with regards to the controversial two-point shot and how they weren't consulted about it. But now it seems like they've kind of gone back and done their homework and gone, okay, how can we best um, ensure not only for a quality season for fans, but so too for our players and how can we ensure that they are safe and that they're managed well. So the fact that they're bringing in an extended bench really is a testament to them going, okay, let's see how can we help our star players? How can we help our netball league to not only grow, but also to continue to deliver to that high standard? And I think that's the main thing as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we're just four days away from the start of the Suncorp Super Netball season now. So very exciting times. Uh, We will have a full uh, 2020 season preview episode out um, on Wednesday. So do go and listen to that. Um, And that's a really exciting time because obviously we've got the fixture announcement now and um, we're just ready to get back into netball because we've been waiting so long since last season. Uh, now we'll move on to the ANZ Premiership and it was round seven action this weekend and uh, weren't too many close results like we've seen um, so far this season and the first game was the biggest margin of them all. Uh, the Pulse getting the job done over the Magic, 52 goals to 29. Um, there's really not much to say about this one other than just it was ab- absolute domination by the Pulse. I couldn't agree more with you there, Jared. It was just a perfect performance. Like, I don't think that a single player on for the Pulse played a bad, bad game, if that makes sense. They just were 
perfect throughout and their connections I think is just something you can't teach they know where each other are going to be before it even happens and you can see that because even when they made changes on court this the transitions were seamless and that's just the, the just the quality the sign of a quality team and you could see that like Aliyah Dunn and Ekinazio were really strong in the circle and then they had youngster Grace McLean come on and she shot two from two and um, Tiana Metataru, she was strong as well. So I think for the Pulse, they'll take a lot of confidence out of that. Just knowing that, like I said before, they can bring their bench players on and they can have an impact and they can single-handedly change the course of a game. And that's just something that every coach and every team wants. Yeah, and kind of bouncing off that, I mean, you look at the last quarter in particular, obviously the Pulse were a, a fraction down on their last quarter compared to the third. They shot 17 in the third, 11 in the last. But they had Aaliyah Dunn and Katrina Rore off in that last quarter for the entire quarter. Ekinazio played only a chunk of the quarter. Claire Kirsten only played a chunk of the quarter. So to have three or four of those major players in that team across all three thirds not take the court in that last quarter and still completely dominate the magic, um, it, it really goes to show that the Pulse are... Are, are such a formidable team and they're they're really unbeatable at this point yeah and I think what we can see from um, matches like this where it's the top team against the bottom team in the ladder we can see that top team kind of falling down to, to their opponent's level and, um, and, and and playing a bit under the level that they normally would but the Polish just really stood up and, and straight away they just dominated the magic and um, it just really was never in doubt. So a, a 23-goal win for the Pulse there and um, the fact that they were able to rest some of their stars, especially in that last quarter, actually probably had an impact on their second game of the round, which we'll move on to now. And that one was up against the Northern Stars and they got the jo- job done there as well by 10 goals. And I think just a great job to be able to back up once again and um, get another really comfortable win. Well, this one was really frustrating because the Stars were actually ahead at the end of the third quarter and then the Pulse absolutely slaughtered them in that last quarter. 16 goals to four um, by the Pulse and the Stars just did not know what hit them. And it, it was really just proof in the pudding that the Pulse, regardless of how they're going, they can really turn it out. Even if it's just one quarter, they can win a game. And it's it's kind of like what we almost saw from Lightning last year. Sunshine Coast Lightning would have patches of of their game where they would just come out and absolutely storm their opposition and win the game based off that quarter alone. And you could certainly suggest it for the Pulse. I mean, four goals to the Stars in that last quarter. It, you're never going to win a game with that. And the Pulse have just done it again. And I think the thing for the Pulse is that there's not just one area in the court where they're dominant. It's the fact that they're dominant in all three sections. So you can't even just say, oh, their attacking unit is really strong. It's like, yeah, but so is their midcourt. And I think Maddie Gordon has really come along in leaps and bounds for for the Pulse. And I think sometimes she kind of flies under the radar a little bit because, you know, she is quite young and doesn't have, you know, isn't one of the big names like Aaliyah Dunn, Ekinazio and Berger and Rore. But she has been a really key cog to that attacking unit. And not only the work she does in attack, but her work in defense is just as impressive. She is constantly throwing herself at the contest. And it's that mid-court pressure often that stifles the other teams and they don't know where to move. So I think that was just on show, like you said there again, Soph, 
16 to 4 in the last term it was it was never going to be the stars they were never going to be able to to win a game with a showing like that in the last term yeah and you also kind of look at the stars output i mean they were winning for most of the game but they only racked up two intercepts for the entire match um and so clearly they just weren't able to win that ball back when the Pulse had it in hand. And the Pulse, we know, they treasure their ball and they're so clean with it and they're so skilled in taking control of the play. And it, it was really proved in this game because the Stars, their defence has been coming along pretty well this season, but they just couldn't keep up in that last quarter. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, as you said, it was really that last quarter that, got them over the line. What was it you guys think that the Stars did particularly well in, in I think, especially that first and third quarter um, to really gain that advantage and get the lead over the pulse? Because other teams will look at that performance and, and really try to pick it apart because um, no, one has, no one has found a way to really get in front of the pulse so far. What was it that the Stars did to, to get in front? For me, it was the effort of Grace Carter. She is the leader in attack for the Stars, and if she can hit the circle edge, that's where everything seems to kick into gear. She can then find Wilson under the post. And you saw that in the first quarter, she had uh, she had six goal assists. And then in the third quarter, she had four goal assists. Whereas in the last quarter, she only managed one goal assist and surprisingly, the Stars only scored four goals. So to say that it all lies on her, okay, that's a little bit over, a little bit of an over-exaggeration, but she is that real leader and she is the one that has to take control of that attacking third and deliver inside to Wilson because there's only so much Wilson as the goal shooter can do. She can't be everywhere if she has to be under the post because we know that Jamie Hume is not the highest of volume shooters and doesn't have the highest accuracy. So for me, it like it it really comes down to the output of Grace Carter. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, the stars can take a lot of confidence out of that performance from those first three quarters. They will be ruining the missed opportunity of not being able to put the poles away. But um, they they did a good job to to get in front and really hold the lead over the latter leaders. Uh, the third game of round seven was the tactics up against the stars. And the Stars just couldn't put in an impressive performance like they did on Saturday. And it was the Tactics who were able to run away with a victory, 47 goals to 40. A uh, really impressive performance from the Tactics in this one. The Tactics, I was really impressed with them this time around. They had a few quarters where they were a little bit out of it. But overall, it was a really complete comp- performance, pretty consistent up and down the court. And I mean, you you can't knock how influential Ellie Bird was on the weekend. She had a really, really good game and easily her best game of the season so far. She's shot 37 goals at 100%. She's been kind of sitting about, I'd say, mid-80s to 90s this season. So it hasn't been the most um, most accurate and she doesn't always have that kind of volume, but she really took control in attack and um, TP Selby Rickett was a little bit quieter but that was because she was just generating so much ball into Ellie Bird she has such great vision on the feed um, picked up 27 assists and so it was it was really down to that tactics forward line almost taking control we always see their defensive unit being the ball generators and creating turnovers and and, and propelling the ball down the court but then the tactics can't take control in attack to actually make the most of those turnovers and they 100% did that on the weekend. 
I think that's definitely where th their strength lies. It's when they can be a cohesive unit because, as you touched on there, so time and time again, we've seen the likes of Watson and Tamalisi Fakahakatao winning ball back, whether it be with an intercept, a deflection, or a rebound, or they just pull some type of magical thing out of the air. They're an impressive unit, but they're often let down by the inaccuracy up the other end. And so the fact that both uh, Tapia Selby Rickett and Ali Bird were able to convert would give them a lot of confidence, especially going forward and with finals coming up. They know now that their front line has the ability to stand up under the pressure and really take charge and score freely, which is exactly what they need to do. However, I will touch on the fact that I was intrigued that the Stars didn't bring on Oceane Maihi again because I think she has such an incredible leap and she just brings a whole different ball game to that defensive unit. And I'm surprised, considering how well Bird was doing, that they didn't bring her on to kind of disrupt her rhythm. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was kind of thinking about the same thing. They did bring on um, Daystar Swift, though, for I think it was only five minutes. I think it was at the beginning of the second half. It's the first time she's taken the court since round one back in, I think it was March. So... That was an interesting decision. I think they were trying to go, uh, to do the physicality. Um, Osh, uh, Oshia Mahi is really strong on the leap, but she's quite um, she's got a bit of a smaller frame, whereas Desa Swift has that real strength. Um, but it just she, she, I mean, Swift had a really good first uh, minute or so. She disrupted the play. She, I think, I don't think she picked up a. Oh, she picked up one deflection, but she wasn't able to gather it. So it didn't end up being a gain. But she she was able to really disrupt the flow in attack. But she really didn't have an opportunity to work her way into the game. And I think that was the Stars' issue. Um, and the other thing was they just couldn't um, kind of correlate their defensive unit with the attack. And that's what we were saying. The tactics have done really, really well in this game. The Stars just couldn't do the same. Yeah, I think you make a great point um, on that Daystar Swift introduction. I think this this five minutes probably wasn't enough time to really get her going and give her a good opportunity to influence the game. Um, just quickly before we move on, I do want to go back to the tactics and uh, focus on that defensive unit because we did, as you guys both said, um, the offense was really running um, running really well in, in this game. And obviously Ali Bird, 37 as 37 is great, but... The standout for me, and I, watching the game, I kind of didn't notice it as much, but then looking at the stats, you really kind of um, see the impact of Jane Watson. And she she was matched up on Janie Hume and Vika Colotto, so there was the, the Stars just really didn't have an answer for her. And only giving away three penalties in this match, I think we've said this a few times this season about the Stars. If, you, if they're not getting the ball to Maya Wilson, then... They don't really have that option. They don't really have any fluidity in their attack. And I think Jane Watson did a really good job of shutting down um, the goal attack and, and not really giving, not really allowing Maya Wilson to have any help from, from the goal attack who was on the court. I really love seeing Jane Watson out in goal defence because I think we're so used to seeing her in goalkeeper that each time she takes the court in goal defence, I just get blown away with... A, her endurance, and B, just her ball-winning ability. And the fact she does it so cleanly time and time again is just ridiculous. And like you said there, Jared, the fact that she can pretty much just nullify any goal attack 
And then that allows her to kind of double back on on the goal shooter in Maya Wilson in this game. And it, it just mounts so much more pressure. And she just was phenomenal yet again. I, Yeah, I'm constantly in awe of how good she is. Um, I think she's really relishing that extra space in goal defence as well. She's applying a heap of pressure down the centre of the court through the midcourt. Um, and I think that is a massive help, like a huge, huge help for the tactics. I think her ability to bring the ball up the court quickly and cleanly and get hands to that ball when it's coming back the other way. I just think she's been so influential. Yeah, I think we're all pretty massive fans of Jane Watson here on the Centre Pass podcast. So another great performance, uh, adding to a great year for her. Uh, the fourth game of round seven was the Southern Steel up against the Mystics. And this one, a bit of a shock result, uh, the Southern Steel getting the win by six goals in the end. And they just really looked in control for this entire game. And it, um, it there's the scoreboard agrees. They, they won three of the quarters and the third quarter was a draw. So just really were in control against the Mystics side, who I think we really fancy as one of those, um, probably the second best side in the competition. This game kind of blew my mind, and I, I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again. I think that for the Mystics, once you shut down Peta Tuava, you shut down their attack because Taylor Earl kind of seemed to lack confidence to look into the post, uh, look into the goal circle and look to post to where Wiki is, and we know that Wiki is such a commanding figure that she you literally throw the ball up and she'll be there. But they lacked confidence to do that with her. And when that happens, then they can't score because you look at, for example, Saviour Tui. She doesn't have a high amount of goals. She doesn't put up that many. Um, and then they brought on Filda Vui, who I actually really quite like. I think she's a really clever mover. Um, and more importantly, she's not afraid to go to post. She doesn't always look for wiki. She goes, you know what? I will put up the shot myself. But back to my point being that if you shut down Tawava, you shut down the Mystics, and the Steel completely and utterly did that, which is quite surprising when you look at the wing defence being Kate Heffernan, who is quite young, quite inexperienced, but she was just able to nullify Tawava. Yeah, I thought this was a really clever game by the Steel. Um, clearly, they've figured out that I mean, I, I think overall, looking at the entire competition, all the teams now have figured out how to beat the, uh, to beat the Mystics. All they have to do is shut down Tuava. And so they played really cleverly and not only shut down Toyava, but also shut down Wiki. Wiki didn't have quite the same um, impact at the post as she usually does. She still shot uh, almost, 90, uh, almost 100%, sorry. Um, but you look at how... I think it's the amount of shots that the Steel put up compared to the Mystics. They were getting a lot of ball back. They put up 63 shots. Pretty sure it's 63. Yeah, they put up 63 shots and the Mystics put up 45. So it just goes to show, I mean, the Steel have been saying the past few weeks, if they're able to put the amount of goals to post, if they're able to put as, as many goals on the scoreboard as they're putting up at the post, they should win games easily because they more than have the capacity to win games just off the volume of shots that they're putting up. The issue is that they don't have the accuracy to get the job done, but they proved in this game that they could have the volume and the, the accuracy for the most part 
to get the job done. I will say, though, um, there's a little bit of an, a worry about Khalifa McCollin. She had a bit of a weird ankle fall in the last quarter where she almost, it looked like she tripped over someone else's foot and then kind of grabbed for her ankle. So hopefully she's all good because that'll be a third still goaler out of the uh, out of the competition if she can't continue. So, yeah, hopefully all is good for Khalifa McCollin there. Yeah, we do hope that. Uh, she is okay. Obviously, as you said, Soph, the Steel had a horror run with injuries to their shooters this season. So we hope that's nothing serious and she's able to get back out on court as soon as possible. Um, I think we've summed it up pretty well. The Steel did a really good job. And I think, Soph, you make, it a, great, you make a great point with their accuracy. Um, they easily could have won this game by close to 15 goals, but just not, not being able to make those shots just really hurts. And um, against against a team like the Pulse, they'll just put them away and um, they're not going to get the same result in this one. The final game of round seven was the Mystics once again, came up against the Magic and the Mystics were able to get a win on the board here. Um, only six goals. I say only, I think they probably could have um, extended this margin a bit and I think the accuracy kind of hit them in this game. Um, but uh, I think a great job by the Mystics to cap off round seven with a win. Yeah, I was really, this was an interesting one for me because watching it last night, all I could think about was how great Kiana Williams was for the Magic and how she should never have been taken off the court. Um, She took the court and goal shooter. It was her first start. She's only 17 years old and she absolutely killed it up against someone like Sulu Fitzpatrick who has such a formidable... I mean, kind of approach to the circle. I just thought she played such a good game and I wish that they hadn't taken her off, especially maybe if they had brought her back on for the last quarter or something because they needed something to inject a little bit of something different. They they kind of went a little bit too hard on the lobs in the third quarter and the they allowed the Mystics to get over them a fraction too much. But I was actually really impressed with the Magic, but they, they just made some iffy decisions and kind of weren't necessarily clean around the court to take a win. But yeah, I was really happy with how the Magic played. I think that unfortunately seems to be the story for the Magic is that they have so many opportunities, but yet it's just silly errors that end up costing them, not the game, but it costs them momentum. And you know how much game is built on momentum so the fact that a a turnover here or a loose ball here and they don't follow it up it then kind of halts them back and it's like okay well now we need to regenerate some type of momentum some type of intensity and it puts them on the back foot but I think there were a a couple of strange coaching decisions I know I said uh, I might have mentioned this last night to you when we were watching or whatever but the fact that Asher Grapes yet again got the start for the Mystics is a really interesting one for me because we know that she's really struggling with uh, accuracy. The fact she put up no goals in a whole, like she did not score a goal in her whole half of netball is kind of, for me, a worrying sign that, you know, you kind of need your goal attack to be putting up some types of some type of shot. And then they put on, Phil Davui again and she came on and she, in the third quarter and she absolutely gunned it. She came on and then all of a sudden with like a couple of minutes left the Mystics took her off and put Savia Tui back on put Savia Tui on and then left her on there for the game and she only managed two goals. 
And it's just like, it's a really confusing thing for me because I don't see how the mystics are going to generate a really strong attacking unit if the changes in the goal circle continue to happen because then it means your midcourt can't connect with them. And it also allows the Magic or any other opposition team free shot at passes to intercept, deflect, and, and all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, it was just a really confusing game for me to watch. Yeah, I agree. My it's, it's a difficult one because I understand why Grapes was put on in the first quarter because on the off chance that Toyava wasn't able to get ball into the circle, Grapes is a clever ball mover. But it's exactly like you said. She doesn't put the shots up. And when she does, she's highly inaccurate. Um, so I understand having grapes in at the beginning, just in case someone like, I think it was, I can't remember who started in wing defense for the magic, actually. But um, Burgess, I'm pretty sure. It, oh, yeah, okay. oh, no, for the magic, it was Holly, Fla- Holly Fowler. Yeah. So on the off chance that Fowler was able to completely shut down Toyava from the beginning, I understand having grapes in there. But once you realise that Toyava has the upper hand, take her off the court and bring on someone like Tui or Vui from the get-go. Cut cut that option out that isn't doing the entirety of their job and switch it out for someone else who can. And I was the same. I was really frustrated when Phil Vui was taken off the court for Saviour Tui. And don't get me wrong, I really, really like Saviour Tui. I think she's a, a quality player. But Phil DeVille was doing a great job putting those shots up. And it's it's kind of like, I mean, I know I've already brought a, brought a likeness to the SSN in this episode, but it's like how um, Alice Teague-Neild and Kalia Stanton weren't able to put up enough shots to help out Janiel Fowler in the Fever last season. It's that exact same thing. And they could be such a better team if they had that goal attack doing a, a more of an assisting role. And I mean, you look at, uh, the tactics and they have Tapia Selby Rickett who doesn't necessarily always put up the highest volume or the highest accuracy but she's still able to be a threat at the post because she's willing to turn and shoot. I'd say the same for both Phil DeVille and Savi Tui but Grapes at the moment just isn't clicking for me. Yeah I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah I think it's just interesting that we're basically three quarters of the way through the season and they still haven't settled on a combination to go with every week. And I think um, by this time of the season, especially when you're heading into finals and they're really fighting for that um, second spot on the ladder, I think they just need to make a decision on the combination because I think it would also play into the minds of all the players because they're all thinking, well, I basically need to be perfect or else I'm going to get dragged and, and another player is going to come on in my position. So there's a lot to think about and um, the Mystics will need to really make that decision um, in the next couple of weeks before finals. Uh, That is it for round seven of ANZ Premiership action. We will quickly preview round eight. Uh, Only three rounds to go in this season before finals. Uh, The first game of round eight is actually a rematch of one of the games we saw in round seven, the tactics up against the Northern Stars. Um, Obviously, we saw the tactics get the job done in this one uh, in round seven. Do you guys think it'll be a similar result in in round eight? I'm hoping that the stars come out with a fire in the belly. Um, they, I don't know the likelihood of the stars making the uh, one and two grand final at, the, at this point, but I think that if they can win the next couple of games and really cement themselves as a key team 
in the league, I think they do have a real chance. But that being said, this is the first round since round one that teams are going to be able to play at their home stadiums. And tactics, having the tactics crowd behind them, I think they would just get the nod, the nod on this one. Yeah, I kind of I follow that same train of thought here, Soph, and especially because I think the tactics, they can taste finals. They know that they're not far off, so they will definitely have that intensity and that drive. And I think we've seen the development of the team as a whole and the fact that they now know that they have the systems in place to shut down opposition teams, I think they'll definitely be drawing on that and going, okay, we need to, if we want to make finals, we need to win here. So I expect them to leave nothing to chance. Yeah, I agree on that one. I think tactics will get the job done. The second game of round eight is the Northern Stars up against the Southern Steel. Um, This one is probably going to be an interesting game. These teams have been similarly positioned throughout the season. Obviously the Stars will be coming off that um, that first game of the round, do you think that'll have an impact or um, who do you think is going to win this one? I reckon I'm going with the steal with this one. I think the inclusion of Alan Halpenny has just really bolstered that shooting and clearly we know that Jennifer O'Connell and, and I think it was Georgia Heffernan both went down. And um, while we're unsure about uh, McCollin's state, I think the fact that Alan Halpenny is such a – such an experienced player. She offers so much calmness and presence and state of mind in that attacking third that for me, the Southern Steel, they have that, that, how do I explain it? They have that caliber through the midcourt as well, that really strong connection of Saunders and Crampton. So I think the Steel should get the job done here. Yeah, I I think I'm going to go out on a limb and go the Stars over the Steel. Um, based on their connections being a little bit more solid. I think um, the Steel have had quite a few changes um, and they've kind of had to keep settling in, and especially if Khalifa McCollin isn't able to play, um, I think the Stars will just be a fraction too good this time. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty split on this one as well. Um, I'm probably leaning towards the Steel just a little bit, but... Um, it's going to be interesting to see what does happen and with Khalifa McCollin because if they still have to bring in another um, reserve shooter, it's going to be uh, absolute mayhem, but I think they can get the job done in this one. Uh, the third game of round eight is the Magic up against the Tactics. Um, this one seems pretty straightforward and I think the Tactics should get the job done pretty easily in this one. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. I, I, I know the Magic can definitely take it close to teams on their day. And I'm fairly certain they def- uh, they had a draw with Tactics earl- earlier this season. I think that was one of their draws. But um, the Tactics, I think it's like you said before, Taylor, they, they can taste finals now. And they've had, uh, I think round seven was their first back-to-back victories for the season. So they're going to want to keep that going. Um, yeah, I just think the Tactics will be too good. Yeah, I'm on board with the Tactics there. I think they should be able to get the job done easy. Uh, the fourth game of the round is first versus second on the ladder, Pulse up against the Mystics. These teams have played twice already this season. Uh, the Pulse have obviously won both of those games, the first one by seven goals and the second one by six goals. Um, you think that trend's going to be going to keep up or can the Mystics cause an upset here? I definitely think 
the Pulse should get this job done, get the job done here again. We know that they're a formidable unit, and the fact that, like we kept saying, they the blueprint for the Mystics now it's kind of obvious. It's whether or not the Pulse can capitalize on that and really prove and um, make sure that they can punish them is another thing. But I definitely think that the Central Pulse should get the win here because. We just know that they're a really formidable unit and the fact that they have strong connections across the court and can really nullify the Mystics attacking unit, I, that's, for me, where the Mystics really have the upper hand. So the fact that the Pulse have those players that can do that, I think they should get the job done. Yeah, I'd love to see the Mystics get a win here. I don't like seeing teams go undefeated all season because I find it a little bit boring. I want to see something interesting happen. So I'd love for the Mystics to take it to the Pulse, but it's like we've been saying, their blue fr- the blueprint for the Mystics has been figured out. I think the Pulse will be too good. The final game of round eight is the Magic up against the Southern Steel. I think on paper, this looks like the Magic's best chance at a win um, heading into the final rounds of the season. Do you think they can, I guess, cause an upset here or do you think the Steel will just kind of um, be that little bit too good for them. I mean, we said the same a few weeks ago when they last played. I think it was round six and the steel came out on top. The Magic still haven't won a game since um, re- the return of the season. They only won in round one. I don't think... I, 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 really, I really, really want to see the Magic get a win. But the steel have the winning experience under their belts... And they also have the confidence in their connections, whereas the Magic are still kind of trying to decide which which team is kind of their best. I, I just don't know with the Magic. I would love to see them get a, get a win, but I think the Steel might just have it over them. I'm in a similar position, whereas I can see that the Magic are trying really hard and you know that they're not far off from a win. But I think they just... There's costly errors that they continue to make and those types of things are what lose games. And I think the Steel have a very different approach to get the game. They are very um, they treasure each possession and they're willing to play it around. They're not ones to just, you know, heave the ball across the court. No, they're more precise and measured in their approach. So for me, I think the Steel should have the, the edge here and should get the win. But I would love nothing more than to see the Magic get a win here yeah exactly i'm kind of in the same boat um as you said sophie the magic haven't won since round one that win coincidentally did come against the steel and the last time these two sides did play it was only a one goal win um to the steel so there's every chance that the magic can um can get the win here but um we'll just have to wait and see that one will be on monday night so final game of round eight that is all we have time for this week on the Center Pass podcast. Uh, do go follow us at Center Pass Pod on Twitter and do go to netball.draftcentral.com for all your uh, world netball news and reviews. We'll actually be back tomorrow with this 2020 season preview. And we have a brand new intro to debut. So look out for that one and we'll speak to you then.